0: In this week's podcast, we're going to talk with Wesley True. He is a owner and chef in Cleveland, Tennessee. And he also describes himself as a tinkerer and gear lover. So let's join in with Wesley here as we listen to his story. And if you are new here, be sure to subscribe down below. So here we go, guys. This is the interview with Wesley True so your last name is true
1: uh, yeah my name is wesley conway true and uh born in mobile alabama now live in cleveland tennessee so why is it wesley conway on facebook um so, I was <laughs> like, <laughs> so when i did top chef um i got off of that and uh in top chef you familiar that was it's a cooking show on bravo um and uh, i got off that show and uh my, i had a pr lady at his home she told me to start a fan page And then uh, she ended up not doing a great job. So now I have a Wesley Conway. Um, That was my personal page and a fan page she never did anything with. And uh, anyway, that's my Facebook now. Yeah, so whatever. She got me one paid gig. No, I got, she was supposed to get me paid gigs. And um, the only gig she got me, I actually got the gig and had to give her $500 of it. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Well, that sounds about how most gigs go sometimes,
1: yeah man. um so yeah, I've uh, been in I guess music uh probably twenty years, but I've never really taken it seriously up until about a year ago. I mean, up. you know I play guitar a little bit in college, just enough for you know I could play like one song and sing actually I actually can sing pretty well my my brother did like musical theater and did Broadway and stuff like that, so it's in the family. But I played guitar and sang just enough to be able to, you know, talk to a girl in college, and that was probably about it. And I never really took it. I always had a guitar. I always just messed around with it. Um, I got infatuated with uh, the gear, which was just, I guess, partly because I was kind of, you know, back, you know, I I was, you know, I always wanted a Les Paul, but I was like, I just can't spend twenty five hundred dollars in a Les Paul. I'm gonna figure out how to build one, and I'll send you pictures of it. Oh, that's cool. And so my guitar, um, is my main guitar is a Les Paul Wesley model. <laughs>
0: nice. Cause it's, it's custom made, right?
1: Well, it's actually got a kind of cool story. Um, you know, I spent literally a year de- researching how to build this thing. So, um, spent an entire year researching how to build this thing and I bought wood, a mahogany that was from a guy who worked for me and he had it and his father gave it to him or something like that so the wood was actually from like 1960s the mahogany. It was was a really old piece of wood and I took it to my my, uh, father-in-law's shop and just I bought plans I built all these jigs these, you know, these routing guides and I built about 85% of a Les Paul and there was a and i got to a point where i just couldn't build anymore unless i spent a lot of money on equipment like i didn't have a i couldn't cut the fretboard i couldn't do there's just things i couldn't do right and i found this guy named bruce bennett who had a blowing up on the internet in a very big negative way a few years ago he used to build he he built uh i think backland guitars he's a very very good luther but he uh his business went bankrupt and i found out about this he went bankrupt right when i sent him my guitar like he was owing all these guys money um anyway he finished building my guitar for like 400 bucks he did about 20 percent of the work reset the neck i sent it off to a guy to get painted they painted in, in nitro and right when it got sent up got finished i lost the job so it's set in this guy's shop for a year and
0: just because you didn't have the money to pay him or something, him, or? yeah.
1: Uh, it, it's it's kind of. I mean, the store. This is literally over like a two year time. Yeah. So I mean, that, this the, just the store on the guitar would take a half an hour. Um, <laughs> no, that's <laughs> why, all right. Of why it ended up taking so long. Anyway, a long story short, the guy painted it in Pelham blue. He had a chi- a paint chip. Cu- uh, color book from 1960s cadillac it's the exact pelin blue from the cadillac i eventually gave the guy got guys money he sent me the guitar it right when i started putting gear on it he did like a really old nitro finish on it it just started cracking everywhere so it looks super cool um i still pick up gibson's today they don't feel as good i I filed the neck like really super thin on accident so it's like a super thin like gibson neck um my old boss, uh, Ford Fry, has like 20 restaurants. He's got all these vintage guitars. Like I was working on the guitar one day and broke the pickup, and I was like, "Oh God!" I had no money. <laughs> I had no money, and literally, I'm in Florida. You know, literally 30 minutes after I broke the the pickups, my boss, my old boss, texted me. was like, "Hey, do you want those uh, David Allen pickups?" I was like,
0: "Yeah." <laughs> yeah, I'll give them to me right now. So
1: we put in Dave, I put in David Allen pickups and that, that's my number one guitar. And, uh, that's cool. Built all my own pedals from kits and, uh, built my cab myself. And it's just like, it, it, it's it, how it taught you. You mentioned earlier about how, like, uh, you know, how this ties into what I do. I think it's, you know, a lot of chefs I, I, I know are really into music. So I was on a uh, top chef season 13. And my good friend, Jeremy Ford, he was my roommate. He actually won Top Chef. So I was talking how a lot of musicians like food and, you know, chefs I know are really into music. He was actually the original guitarist for Shinedown.
0: Oh, cool. Yeah, that's a great band. Yes, yeah.
1: yeah, so I'll try to get him. Maybe he'll, uh, he's sitting up at his house right now. I'll try to get him to do a podcast with you. <laughs> yeah.
0: That'd be super cool. That no, would be great. Yeah. So,
1: yeah, I think it's more about like with food and it's, I think like good chefs and are into music. It's, it's the obsession of working with your hands and just kind of, you know, I guess we feel food, we feel music and it it's kind of really intertwined. You know, I, I became friends with a guy. Have you ever heard of the Danny Warhol's?
0: Yes. Yes, I have. Yeah.
1: So I'm, I'm sitting at my restaurant mobile. This dude, he look. He's got like long hair. He looks kind of like like he doesn't have money. He like waves to me or whatever. Uh, you know, I just some whatever dude. I'm snarking. One He's like, hey man, I'm Courtney Taylor from the dandy Warhols. I'm like, that's literally how he introduced himself. I'm like, okay, yeah, Courtney Taylor Taylor. I'm sorry from the dandy Warhols. I'm like a little bit. We end up hanging out, and we we still talk to this day. And he always, you know, he made the comment to me. We're eating every chef he knows wants to be a rock star and every rock star he knows wants to be a chef because they all travel and they're eating out food all the time. So they're kind of like kind of intermingled community.
0: Yeah, that's cool. Just kind of cool. No, that's, that's, that's a good quote though. You should make that into a (laughs) t-shirt. You can. Every, every musician wants to be a chef and every chef wants to be a music or a rock star. Rock
1: star. Yeah. So yeah, I know a lot of chefs that are like really into uh, playing music.
0: Well, let's go ahead and let's go back to which were you first were you a chef first or were you a musician first or or how did that come about
1: um i've been a chef for 22 years and uh i play. i wouldn't even consider myself a musician you know um i guess well, i guess if you play music you're a musician i'm gonna you
0: know
1: i'm probably <laughs> at some level at, yeah I'm as good as a musician as people who come into my restaurant and say that they cook at their house. We'll put it probably that way. Right. So very amateurish. Um, I try really hard, but I don't make a lot of progress. <laughs>
0: yeah. But you have um, fun doing it though, right?
1: No, I love, you know, I'll say this. I, I, I did sing. I can, I can hit like an A flat. I mean, I can sing pretty A flat or B B flat probably can't do that anymore um my my father was actually a singer i found that out later that he was like in a band in college or something my brother did musical theater um i sang i was super close to quitting cooking when i was in, so i worked in new york city i worked at really 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 fancy restaurants and i worked there before they enforced labor laws so i literally worked about 85 90 hours a week and one of the restaurants is working at a place called aquavit I remember calculating my hourly wage, and it came out to like three dollars and fifteen cents an hour. Oh yeah, we were we were making working that much. You know, everyone got sued a few years later, and you know, the whole industry has grown grown up. I'm sure the Me Too movement and all that. I mean, the whole industry has really grown up a lot. But it's you know, it's very right. barbaric. When I was in New York, I I was getting really burned out. I was like, I'm going to be a rock star. I want to you know, I want to sing in a band. So I did a you know, a couple auditions and for a band, and you know, I. I, I I did well, you know, I, you know, and, and I remember going to this like open mic night one night, and this is what maybe not be a rock star, try to pursue the career of music. I went to this giant, it was like a big open mic. I mean, there's, I don't know, probably 600 people there. It was like, you get to sign up on this list. And you, and I remember this English yeah. dude, and he was like, literally like 65 years old. He was wearing leather pants and he gets up on stage. He's like, you guys ready to rock. We're going to kick it tonight, man. It's going to be great. And he's got this thick English accent. I'm like, <laughs> and I remember, like, this guy's a loser. Like, yeah. this guy's like really old and he used to like be in a band. And like, I said, I don't want to take the risk. So right. <laughs> I gave up those dreams and, uh, you know, put my head down and kept cooking. And, uh, you know, it's, 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 it's worked out pretty well. <laughs> um, You know cooking's definitely worked out well for me but you know it's still a struggle definitely definitely now so
0: so what got you to because you grew up in Alabama which I did as well I was born in Athens uh lived in Albertville Alabama for about 10 years until my family moved to Georgia and I finished up high school there and then uh went on to went back to alabama actually boaz for two years to go to the community college over there at sneed state and then came to tennessee to attend mtsu and then got a music industry degree degree from there so so i'm definitely i love alabama i love just the south i've always lived in the south except for like maybe the six month stretch where my brother was born and like uh, Missouri but yeah after that after he was born we moved back down to the south so I've always been in the south love the the culture down here and the people and all that so so what was it like growing up in Alabama and eventually you know finding your way over to Mississippi there at Oxford and doing all that
1: well I think with me so while I went to Oxford I was actually a I was a pole vaulter I was a collegiate athlete and I was a, on the track team there and uh That was my father went to Oxford. My father's from Illinois and, you know, ended up running track at Oxford for three years. And I didn't, I didn't like the South, you know, I didn't realize how great it was till like later, you know, till it was, (laughs) you know, I thought Mobile was horrible. And, you know, when I was working in Mobile and I had my restaurant, I thought I hated it. Oh, I hate, you know, very negative. I, I, you know, I've grown up a lot, I'd say in the past six, seven years, mm-hmm. I didn't like anywhere I lived. I thought, you know, everyone was the problem, and I didn't realize, like, you know, how great it is. D- your friends and your family is like, what's more important than like, you know, I, I, I'm going to back up a little bit, you know, I, sure. you know, I, I was in Oxford and you know i didn't really like alabama i didn't like mobile i was like i gotta get moved to new york i moved to new york i worked in the best restaurants in the city and then i ended up back in mobile I, one of my family members died I inherited a little bit of money and we opened a restaurant and i got a lot of publicity you know i was uh, i don't know if you're familiar with a, with a james beard uh award i was nominated for the james beard award two times best chef south which is oh. equivalent to being nominated for an emmy
0: right that's great. um
1: yeah. And I didn't even know what it was. I got a phone call like, you're nominated for a James Beard Award. I was like, what is that? And they're like, it's like an Emmy. And I started, and I looked it up. I was like, oh God, that's like huge. There's like 15 people in three states are nominated for this thing. Right. And I didn't really like Mobile. I didn't realize, I didn't realize what I had till I left. And like, I go back now and I'm like, you know, I left Mobile and I'm like kicking myself because it's, it's such a beautiful town and it's, It's, you know, the South is, you know, the, the food and the culture that we have here, I think is just fantastic. And, you know, I'm a lover of the South now that I'm 40, I guess I'm 43 now. I turned 43, uh, the day before we all in America realized there was a crisis.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Well, I'll, Um, I'll be 40 this year and later in November. So I'm, I'm in the same age range as you are. And yeah, I get it.
1: Yeah, but it's 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 good, man. I mean, I think the south is good and
0: So how does how does one get nominated for a James Beard Award? I mean, do you make the best steak? I mean, or <laughs> what? I mean, how does that come about?
1: Well, there's a couple ways. I, the majority way now, which I'm not a huge fan of, you know, I'll just say it anyway. A lot of it's political right now. Right. Um I uh, I was the new kid in town. I'll say in town, like in Alabama. So I was in the in the region of Alabama, uh, Louisiana, which is New Orleans, which is huge, and, and Florida, which is Miami. I was in that whole region. And they select like 15 to 17 chefs to get nominated. Um, I moved straight from New York and I was just doing food I learned in New York. I didn't realize how elevated my food was so I started eating out. And I was like, oh crap, I'm like cooking way above what I should be doing. Um, it showed with the amount of cover, like the, the day I got nominated, I think we had like 30 people in the restaurant. I didn't have a busy restaurant. Right. We were getting a lot of publicity, but people just didn't, I was doing weird, like really weird stuff that just didn't, people didn't get, you know, right. um, a lot of times you get nominated cause I didn't know anybody. So I, I think I got, well, actually I know how I got nominated. Um, there was Atlanta a food writer and his brother lived in Mobile and he was, uh, A judge for the james beer he ate in the restaurant and nominated me um most people get nominated for what i hear like it's like a a good old boy club right um it used to be it's actually changing a lot you know they're pushing a lot for women now and you know people you know uh it's it it was you know i I mean yeah like you said it used to be a good old boys now it's you know you know, there's a lot of ethnicity in it now, so it, it you know our, our our cult our culture not culture our industry's changing for the good, but yeah, but a lot of it's politics, honestly. Now it is.
0: Well, how did that? How did that lead you to um, you know being on Top Chef? What, how, what does um, that look like?
1: Get nominated for a bureau, where basically gets my foot in any door. So, right. you know, when you put, I would put, you know, my application, James Beer nominee they'll actually look at it you know um oh, yeah. i just i went to him so i don't know if i can say this i might get sued because I, I had to sign a million dollar waiver no i can't say this actually <laughs> <laughs> so
0: i can't tell you everything bummer um, we want to know the juicy stuff man
1: well I don't know, i'm not trying to get sued over it they probably won't do anything um a, a lot of people who get on top chef they like know somebody or something and you know, I I made it all the way from an open interview to on the show. Took two years to get on it. Oh wow! Yeah, um, I don't know. I'm, I say crazy stuff. Probably it's partly how I got on it, <laughs> yeah. and I worked in really good restaurants. I don't, you know, they they fit certain profiles. I was like the likable kind of fat Southern dude who could cook really well.
0: Yeah, I, I'm watching American Idol right now, which I'm sure other millions of other people are and i really like that it's on hulu because i can skip all the commercial crap yeah uh, so i can i can not watch it on mondays and tuesday nights and actually go off and do other stuff and then you know during the day or when i have some free time i can just pop on hulu and watch it real fast but it's the same thing it's like people they have their- get, people get through just because they look a certain way or they're just different you know
1: well they what they do and you'll you'll i don't know if you knew this but after people hear this they're gonna definitely pick up on it they basically have their cast they need the fat dude they need like they always have the weird lesbian girl who has like pink hair they got the right the gay guy they got like three black dudes they got you know the dorky white dude they always have their formula and they just put in their people right if you look at any season of any show you'll definitely you'll you'll see that they just it's just a formula and if they happen to be the fat southern guy who worked in like fancy restaurants i happen to be that guy that year that i got on it you know
0: so this might be true for the cooking world as well but definitely i see it on american idol maybe even the voice or you know other singing shows where i mean last year alejandro was clearly like so much better than uh lane hardy but lane ended up winning But now, like, you don't hear anything at all from Lane, and you hear more from (laughs) Alejandro. So it's like, it's almost better not to win.
1: (laughs) I'd (laughs) say, at that point. What I always thought was funny about the voice, they don't show anybody, but yet everyone looks pretty good.
0: (laughs) Right, right.
1: um, You know, they all have this look, you know, they all, even if you're like some, like me, I I can say fat guy because I weigh 250. Um, I got, yeah, but they always have this, like, everyone's got some look and most people I'd say like 85% of them are good looking, you know?
0: Right. Right.
1: Even though you can't see them. It's kind of funny. So uh, is that the
0: same for, or similar to like a cooking show where like, even if you don't win, you're still kind of coming out ahead. Cause you, you're known by more people. Used to be. Or how does I, that work?
1: No, I, I wouldn't say now. No, I wouldn't say anymore. Um, if you win Top Chef, you're you know. If you can't make money off winning, you're you're an idiot basically. Like my friend who won, um he told me he put like four hundred grand in the bank that year. Wow. You know, like in the bank, like after you know what I mean. It's like right. You, you, you you're you're you know if you can't make it after that, you're pretty much done. But I know like you know the beginning of like the cooking shows because now you know every year there's twenty people that go on it and they, twenty time What are they on season fifteen now? 20 times 15, you know, that's a lot of people. Um, and so it's not as a big deal anymore. The pump, what was a big deal? Like if I was single, it would have been super awesome. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Like I remember like, you know, I'd be at a, you know, like I said, I'm a, not a, I mean, I used to obviously be skinny. I used to run track in college. I used to be super ripped, but you know, when I got off that show, I'd have like, you know, I remember eating dinner with people and like really good looking girls who wouldn't talk to me anymore would like come up to me like, Oh, my friend wants to meet you. She's very nervous, and it's like this twenty-three-year-old girl who's like smoking hot. And she's like, "Oh, can I have a picture with you?" I'm like, "Oh, jeez." <laughs> so it makes you, uh, yeah, makes you feel good for you know about six months to a year when you get
0: recognized. That's but, uh, cool. Yeah, it's fun. So you're in Cleveland, Tennessee now. Yeah. Or, so or do after, to do so after Alabama, after New York, after all the accolades on TV and all this stuff, sure. what brought you to Cleveland, and what, what, what makes that area special for you, for having your own, uh, you know, restaurant there?
1: Yeah, we got a restaurant. We also, I'm a part owner in a little dive bar we built. So a couple of years ago, I was an executive chef for a guy named Jeffrey Zarkarian. Um, I opened up his restaurant. He is a sh- He's a well-known chef on the Food Network, and I did okay. that for a few months, and it just well, it just ended badly. Huh? Yeah. <laughs> it was not that good. <laughs> so my old friend who owns a, uh, a bunch of restaurants and is extremely wealthy called me and was like, "Hey, do you want to be a corporate chef for me?" I said, "Heck yeah!" So I Let's go work for him, yeah. and it's it's a rough job. I mean, it's 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 a lot of work, which is you know whatever. And this was probably a time of my life, I'd say it was only almost two years ago, but every time something didn't work out, I'd like, Oh, I'll just go take another job. You know, you yeah. know, I'll, I'll go take another job, you know, and my wife's getting a little fed up with this. You know, you're stop, I don't want to move anymore. We're, you're you're 43 40 years old. You're not a kid anymore. Yeah. So I took one last job and I probably shouldn't have, you know, probably shouldn't have done it because my old job was very, you know, um, it was, it, it, it paid really well. You know, it was a, you know, it was a really for a chef. It was you know, it it paid very good. But I took this job here, and you know, it uh, because they were looking. The guy was looking for a James Beard nominated, you know, a well-known chef. He's extremely wealthy. Um, you ever heard of Check In The Cash?
0: Yeah. Uh huh.
1: He owns all of them. Oh, <laughs> oh wow. Okay. <laughs> so, but he doesn't support us financially. Um, I get 9.8% of ownership of his, of his ownership every year. So in five years, I own 49% of the restaurant. He owns none of it. Right. And I, so I don't, you know, that was the kind of thing. You get to own a restaurant, you don't have to pay for it. You know, the oh. guy spent three and a half million dollars on it. And, uh, you know, we've struggled a little bit because I had to completely change the concept. But, uh, you know, they contact me I head up here and, you know, it's Russia's history where I'm not here. And, uh, Hanging out in the land of uh, music, I guess. A lot of, There's a lot of guitar builders here. Uh, they yeah. got... Uh, who's the guy? Uh, Lucky Dog Guitars is in Cleveland. Have you seen their stuff?
0: Lucky Dog Guitars. I have not. I'll look them up Girl, online, though. going to blow your mind. These guys are
1: getting huge. Um, they're in Cleveland, Tennessee. The, the guy who built my Gibson, who finished it, my Gibson, my Wesley Les Paul. He's <laughs> yeah. in uh, Hickson yeah uh-huh yeah so, yeah
0: when i lived in tennessee when i was uh probably like one or two it was in hickson tennessee because my dad he's he's been in the chicken business for a long time and uh really? worked for work for conagra tyson pilgrims pride all that stuff so yeah we were in hickson tennessee um we were in nashville uh hendersonville area for a short time he you know we kind of traveled around because of you know, chicken business and wherever he got a job and the next, you know, raise he took. And
1: yeah, so that's why we
0: would move around. But yeah, I know Hickson pretty well. And I actually graduated, you know, living in Georgia. I graduated there from uh, Dade County, which is yep. in, in Trenton, Georgia. So it's not, not too far from Cleveland. There, but like, what, 30 minutes, 30, 40 minutes, something like not, that. Not too far at all. Yeah. It's not far. Yeah. yeah I'm looking at the website right now. The lucky dog handcrafted guitars looks really crazy cool. right yeah the curl <laughs> on that fretboard is sick
1: <laughs> yeah they, these guys are doing i mean if you want a guitar they're like back ordered i mean they got some major players playing with them now and uh cool like uh, i'll be sure to hard. i'll be
0: sure to put those in the show notes here yeah they're so killer you check that out so let's want to talk about some music or what looks like they got some <laughs> tellies and some other stuff Said, yeah, a
1: lot of the stuff he does tell me, the guy who does PR for me, um, does this, I think it's about to work with these guys with their merch and stuff like that.
0: Yeah. Well, let me, uh, let's finish up the cooking side and then we'll go to the music side here. So uh, with my lack of cooking knowledge, what's a, is there a difference between like a corporate chef and a sous chef or the corporate chef? What so- is that?
1: I've been a, cor- a sous chef's a dude, basically a guy who works for the executive chef. Okay. Um, corporate chef, typically, uh, like I was a corporate chef in my last job. I was over a few restaurants. Okay. Um, you got executive chefs or chef de cuisines underneath you and they typically have sous chefs underneath them. You know, we're actually, we switched to all to go a week before everyone did in this town and, uh, we're very blessed. We're actually doing well, uh, all tonight, to
0: like a, like a delivery service or something. Delivery.
1: Yeah. All we're doing is delivery or pickup. Oh, cool. We did tonight. We did what we normally do on a regular Tuesday. Wow. With no, I don't have a sous chef anymore. He actually put his notice in right before all this stuff happened with wow. me and like two cooks and like my wife, my wife, I've been working with her forever. Um, in the restaurant business.
0: Oh, great. That's good.
1: So we actually might, uh, in Tennessee. Allows alcohol to be uh, just we can sell mixed drinks temporarily <laughs> to <Right>. go. <laughs> Which is oh, no, that's cool. Regardless of what you feel about alcohol, cause I know a lot of people around here are like anti-alcohol. Um,
0: right.
1: You know, it was Jesus' first miracle, so I'm drinking red wine right right now myself.
0: Yeah, I'm I'm fine with it. Um, I, I, I've never really, I've si- I've tried alcohol like a few times, just like sipping it. Um, and when I toured Europe with my band feedback revival, it was really the first time I actually like, like tried wine and stuff. And like, it's just not my taste. My
1: my wife's a certified sommelier. I just love wine. It's just, that's cool. (laughs) Super delicious.
0: (laughs) Yeah. I'd rather have a good root beer or chocolate milk. That's just my, that's my thing. But (laughs) well, I probably
1: wouldn't be fat if I uh, went down that route.
0: (laughs) Yeah, that's all good. All right. Well, we got a good background on your uh cool. your your growing up and cooking and all that. So um so yeah, well let's 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 talk about your journey through music and uh so you talk about your custom guitar, your Wesley uh, Wesley, fall, that's fall.
1: Right. And I got a Wesley telecaster as well.
0: <laughs> oh cool.
1: But I do the thought. And uh, I got the Wesley. I found a dude who did a Gibson font, so he we did Wesley in Gibson font. Then I got a guy to do Fender font. He found it on Etsy. It's like seven bucks. Yeah. I mean, obviously, these guitars are worthless because they have my name on them. But I have a Wesley Telecaster, and it's the same Fender font that says Wesley. Well,
0: if so you're if you're, the, you're watching the, the uh, if you're watching the YouTube uh, recording of this podcast, I will have some pictures up there. So you guys can see what he's talking about.
1: Yeah, I'll sh- I actually shoot a I
0: hope Gibson. Oh,
1: Gibson will probably sue me next because they're just after suing everybody. Goes, <laughs> no, I So I want to get a cease and desist by to stop producing the uh, zero, the one of one, uh, the one West of L-. one Les Paul. Well, yeah,
0: yeah. I'll, I'll shoot you a couple
1: pictures of it. They're they're it's a nice looking guitar, and I know you're going to come through here, so you got to play them.
0: Oh yeah, yeah. I want to check it out for sure. I was actually at Gibson Guitars for about ten years. From uh, 2005 to th- 2014, I was in the rough mill, working on the How necks you- and the bodies and cutting out stuff and running the CNC and all that. So, but can you build a guitar? <sighs> no. <laughs> could you? You could probably get
1: as close as I did, and then send it off to somebody to finish it like I did.
0: I think the uh, I think the neck joint would be hard to me, and I've never yeah. I never could do the frets like doing my own fret work has been I always just paid somebody else. Cause I was either too scared to do it or I'd mess it up and still have to pay somebody else to do it anyway. So yeah, I never I never could do the fret thing, but
1: so you, so you're basically telling me and get them like, you see if I'm right. You work for Gibson and you couldn't build a guitar. Is that why they have quality control issues? Cause of people like you.
0: <laughs> well, there's multiple different stages. Uh, I know. I, was, I'm, I'm with I you. know. Well, I was only in the rough mill, uh, working on the chops off for probably five of those years. Simply just cutting the wood, you know, just cutting gotcha. body stock, neck stock, maple tops. Um,
1: probably boring work after the first two months of the. Oh, the, the first working. month,
0: the first month uh-huh. of working at Gibson was great because you're the, you're building Gibson's. Then after that, it's like yeah, it's just a job. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, I'm sure. I mean, I, I have a pilot's license, and I mean I used to talk with different pilots, and they're like airline pilots. I'm like, God, oh, that must be the most boring job ever. Like, yeah, it's pretty boring. Yeah. You just get the boy, just like a freight, a, you know, a truck driver.
0: So you like building custom guitars, and you've you well, you've, it, you got some equipment in the garage, or
1: no, my father. So what I did, you know, I built. You know, like I said, I built a few pedals and I built like my little box for my, you know, my speaker cab, which weighs like 600 pounds, but it's, it's pretty awesome. And, <laughs> and uh, well, I built it right. You know, it's, it's yeah. nice. It's the birch plywood and all that. Um, I built this, my father-in-law. So I only built a few times. Yeah. You know? The telly, I actually didn't build, I was going to build that, but the guy locally, um, he's a Luther he was going to let me build it with him and he's like oh your insurance company won't won't let me uh do it he didn't ch- i mean he charged me i don't know less than like 200 bucks to build a solid walnut it's two-piece sandwich top walnut but when you see it it's it's ridiculous That's um cool. but it's it, it's got a peanutty in the neck and i pulled one of the magnets out it was too loud and i read about a fralin made a p45 and that was like one way to lower the output let's pull one of the magnets out of the b90 oh, yeah. and i did it i did it and i didn't change the tone of it and it matches up with the 10 the uh 9 9.8 k uh telecaster uh bridge pickup it sounds great right um, and it's got a neck from china that i paid 26 dollars for but uh yeah the body's pretty sick and uh <laughs> You know, I, I think, you know, we watch a lot of these podcasts and these guys on YouTube and they're always talking about like $5,000 guitars. And uh, it's kind of funny. I always, like, I was talking about brothers. Like I would like to do a podcast where like normal people who might like build a body and have to buy a neck from a $30 neck from China or something can actually get like a g- decent guitar out of it. You know? Yeah. And so let's talk
0: uh, about that for a second. Cause I've, I've bought necks offline, like eBay and. Different places, and sometimes they're hit or miss. And nowadays, I'm just to the point where I don't really want to care. I don't want to take the time to piece together a guitar. I just want to buy it, like it should be, like right away, and just play it, you know.
1: But so you, you don't, you you don't to, like,
0: Christy, like screw. See, I like screwing with stuff. Yeah, I mean, That's it's like just part I, of the allure. I, I was that me. guy for a long time, where like, you know, like I said, I would buy a neck, I would. I would try to mod a, a squire strat and change stuff. And it's just like, just forget it. <laughs> Was that because of,
1: you know, you're in a different financial place than where you were or, or is it because
0: I think it's just time. It's just time is money. Yeah. Time is money. It's like, I'd rather just, That's why. I'm, that's why I'm here lately in the last few years, I've really invested into reverend guitars. Dude, they're, they're sick. They I, are I super treat. sick. And if you watch any of my YouTube videos, then you'll you'll see them like all over the place.
1: Yeah, I've, see, I've seen I've them on your stuff. Yeah, they're they're just dope.
0: Yeah, so um,
1: but they're good price, right? What are they like 600 new or something
0: like that? No, no. They're I think they're around like nowadays. They were probably a little bit lower, but nowadays they're like a, like 1000 to 1200 brand new. Um but yeah, I mean it's just the the necks are solid. They all come with locking tuners, Wilkinson tremolos, you know, really good hardware. Um all the pots are uh really small tolerance, like ten percent. And uh they got treble bleed circuits, bass contour knobs. I mean just everything you'd want to like soup up a regular guitar is already on there.
1: What do you think? So what I've done to some of my guitars recently is I've I was I didn't do on the single coils. I didn't do trouble bleed. I did a 50 Gibson's uh vintage wiring on my Strat and my Tele.
0: What? Like a Les it's, Paul wiring on a Strat?
1: Yeah, so you turn down the volume cuz I mess with my volume a lot and not my tone as much. Yeah, yeah. So I turn my volume down, it doesn't screw up the tone.
0: Exactly. yeah, well I have a um, I and came then across you, a cheap uh, Les Paul Studio um or actually a, a 50s tribute i think uh for like 300 bucks just for the what j- just for the uh um occasion to like fix it because like one of the pickups were, were broke now, i'll probably just have to re- rewire it but it's going to be a cool um like youtube series on how like you know do like the 50s wiring versus uh, the other kind of wiring, whatever that's called modern. Yeah. Modern, modern. wiring or whatever, Yeah, you know, just to try things out. And then once I'm done with it, I'll probably end up selling it. Cause I just don't need another, I'll guitar. Buy but I'll
1: buy that.
0: Yeah. I'll, I'll sell it to you yeah. for, I'm I'll sell it done. to you for 400. How about that? I'll make, I'll make a hundred <laughs> bucks off of it.
1: <laughs> I'll turn around and sell for around 500. And then like Exactly. 20. Yeah, exactly. No, but I, I like to just mess with stuff. I think, you know, part of with me is, like, I really, I think, saying why I bought it, like, cheap neck, I just wanted to, you know, see what we could do with the cheap neck, and, you know, the, the guy who built, you know, helped build my guitar kind of got mad at me. He's like, why would you buy this cheap neck? And I, he goes, it might work, it might not. You know, we got it sanded the back of the neck, and, you know, what my, like, I like to do is, I don't know, it, it, you know, I give it to a guy who actually knows how to play guitar. It's like, does this feel like a piece of junk or not? The first time I handed it to this guy, he's in a, you know, a band that are, you know, they tour and all that. On He's in a band called Pony Bradshaw. A guy <laughs> named Cody. No, they're really good, dude. Check them out. They're really, they're really badass. Okay. Um, um, And uh first time I handed my telly with the cheap neck, he's like, this neck feels cheap. I was like, well, it is cheap. <laughs> he goes, the body's right. like ridiculous. Was, he's like, dude, basically
0: have- give me a break, you know.
1: I mean, he's like, basically you have like a $1,600 guitar, with like a $20 neck. I was like, yeah, pretty much. So then I worked on the neck. I was like, try it again. He's like, All right, it doesn't feel cheap anymore. I was like, then I told him how much it cost. He's like, Oh damn, that's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, now I what,
0: what, was, what did you do to the neck to make it different though?
1: Well, I did, you know, I worked on the, the, you know, the, the fret ends. Um, oh, sure. Yeah. Okay. I, I rolled the fingerboard a little bit. I've, Took a little note out of Eddie uh, Van Halen's playbook, and uh, I started sanding my necks, and I just and I rub. Uh, I love. I sand metal, and I rub that on the back of it. I know that sounds weird, and it looks just like an old neck, and it feels like an old neck, and it just feels, you know, it feels fantastic to me. But you know, I'm not as experienced as you are, so I have I have the ignorance is bliss gift so to me it feels like a three thousand dollar guitar you may pick it up and says hey this feels like a piece of junk but right right i, I pick up uh, an american telly i don't i think it feels just as good or, as better or better but it's got a lot of love and you know hours and thought, fa- like literally hundreds of hours of research for me to figure out how to do this crap because i'm just weird and obsessive with stuff yeah. I guess i think the bug to do this weird stuff started probably um about six, seven, eight years ago, I I was selling a guitar on eBay and this guy messaged me. He's like, Hey, I've got a Martin kit that a Luther built. Do you want to just swap guitars? And it had nothing on the headstock. He goes, It's basically a D forty four. And I was selling my guitar for three hundred bucks. I'm like, Okay, sure. <laughs> <laughs> and he sent it to me and I was, you know, you know, I'm a really friendly dude. I went to the guitar center. I'm friends with all these guys like, Hey, play this. They're like Dude, this like looks like a D forty four. I was like, "Well, play it." What do you think? And they play it, and they're like, "What the hell is it, dude?" They're like, "They're like blown away." Yeah, so I paid three hundred bucks for that, and they're like, "What?" So like, so I started thinking, I was like, "Wow, these guitars like three thousand dollars." Then you know, I wanted a Les Paul, but you know, getting back to the Les Paul stories, like I want a Les Paul. I just I can't. At the time, I was making like, with people who own Les Pauls, man, make less. I was making like. Eighty thousand dollars a year, right? <laughs> or sixty? Which that's a lot of money, but you know, I'm not a professional musician, so I can't just spend two thousand dollars in that guitar. It's not how I make. For me, it's a hobby. You know, it's not a right. But then I started doing that research to build that Les Paul. Like, I was on this actually, I'm spending like four hundred dollars.
0: Hey, <laughs> so Wesley, just you... a used one. <laughs> well, let's let's move so, on yeah. to uh, let's move yeah. on to mm-hmm. like your pedal stuff. You mentioned you started tinkering with pedals and um what 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 did that look like for you how did you get uh, into that well it's just i don't like i said i'm just like weird and like
1: like to be obsessed with just learning how to do everything so it's like you know i started trying to like build a pedal from scratch and i don't have an engineering background i was like you know after a few months of researching how to read schematics i gave up <laughs> i was like oh i could just buy a pedal kit and I thought <laughs> exactly. So, you know, it kind of blew my mind. I was like, "Wait, I can buy an original Big Muff circuit, and it's the same thing." And after you do enough research, some of these people like, "Oh, you got to have this capacitor." I call BS on that because those capacitors back then had like you know thirty percent tolerance or whatever. Right, they're just right. all over the place. And so I bought some pedal kits and just started building them. Then I started doing you know some like. Acid etching with like, you know, I was like, how do I screen print these? Like, well, I don't have a screen printer. I was like, oh, you can, you can print reverse on a laser printer, and you can iron that print onto your metal pedal, and you can dip it in acid, and it would etch like your design. So I just started like having fun. I built like four or five pedals, and I built like an original big muff. That, that I built a tube screamer with like a a nine way knob, like switch that would do all these different circuits and all that and and i started realizing all this stuff is just like it's just it's the nuances and like the difference in these pedals just like it's so minute um yeah
0: oh yeah definitely well some say they, you like, can some say you can buy like a boss ds1 change like two components and now you got like a souped up like keely modded type something you know <laughs> exactly i mean you, you watch
1: jsh pedals he's like oh this is a tube circuit. and i put that's why i like watching this stuff so much because he's like his
0: his show is top notch it's really good yeah he's like yeah it's a two oh this is
1: a you know a big muff (laughs) he's like he's not gonna lie you know pedal apparently schematics aren't like uh i don't think you can get a uh what's that called patent on them so you just copy them right yeah so So i did that for a while and you know it's that chase for tone in you know, looking back on it, if I would have just chased playing an actual guitar instead of building all this crap, I'd probably be pretty good by
0: now right well <laughs> i've I've been playing for twenty five years seriously though not but I've th- been playing for twenty years yeah well, I know, but like I think you know for a lot of those years let I mean, let me put it this way after twenty five years of playing i'm probably as good as like someone who's been playing for five years i don't know i don't know how the how that ratio works out but it's like i've never really been a shredder i never could play like super fast licks and whatever but i'm a really good rhythm player and a a really good like melodic like yeah solo kind of guy but don't ask me like to do any chicken picking or like really fast stuff because it's not going to happen <laughs> wait how old were you when you started playing i was 14
1: typically you see people who can like shred and stuff they're like you know kind of the kids in high school that you know got picked on and they just sat in a room for like 15 hours and just play guitar non- non-stop and just yeah you know i don't I know
0: maybe maybe they are maybe you have to have some certain chromosome that makes you like super fast. I just don't have that. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know how it works. Yeah. I mean, I would, I would play, I would play a lot, you know, I would play a lot, but like, it would be like Skynyrd and you know, I'll learn some, let some Zeppelin stuff and some so free bird. Yeah. Free bird. Yeah. Your, that
1: was the first thing you learned how to play. That's All the that. first thing you have to play when you're in the South is free bird. Right.
0: Right. Well, I was in a band in high school we weren't like official anything, but we didn't have a band name. It was just guys that got together and played. But for our senior year talent show, we played free bird all 10 minutes of it. So I, I took like three months. I got my Lord Skinnered, uh guitar book and like note for note as good as I could after three years of playing, you know, um, I, I learned, I learned it and it's, I got it on DVD. I need to put it up on YouTube so people can laugh at me. That's sick. So fun. what, so
1: I'm sure a lot of the head rush guys are wondering when, when's a head rush talk happening.
0: Like on so this, what, on this podcast or just, I don't general? know.
1: <laughs> I mean, you're known for head rush stuff, aren't you? Or is yeah. that, so, yeah, what, so that's, what, that's, why the obsession with head? Rush? I know you put out a video why you like head rush
0: sure yeah uh, or
1: not you maybe didn't just put it out i just watched it so <laughs> it could have been a year old for all i know i just watched it you know, Yeah. why you think that right?
0: what i like what i like about the head rush and this will this would be a good segue into like, talking about gear um because you talk about you know the you mentioned the tube screamer earlier and how all these companies just they just take a, sc- a tube screamer and they mod it right and that's all they really do they just change a little a few components and now they got a new pedal yeah. right well what i like about and this is this is what people who have like the helix and obsess about the helix or an axe effects or whatever else is like oh it's I like got a, thirty different overdrive pedals I don't need thirty it's like okay great put two of them up ahead you know head to head against each other and tell me that you couldn't pick them out in a mix you know you can't, it's, you're gonna use it's not more. gonna happen <laughs> I agree. You know, I have the I I do have the HX effects, which is basically re- that one unit replaced my whole analog pedal board before I got the Headrush. Just because I wanted something small, I didn't want to deal with all the cables and power stuff. How do you like that, that, that?
1: Is that the HD5? Is that the little one with the three buttons?
0: No, the HX effects is um, it came out after the M series because you basically have your DL4 your mm4 all that stuff then the m series came out which had all those effects but like with more capabilities and then the hx effects came out which basically had all the legacy effects plus all the new reverbs and they keep adding more overdrives and whatever else
1: too much i don't want legacy effects i don't want crap that was made eight years ago i mean that can't sound good can it
0: no, no, it's it sounds really good. Yeah, it sounds really good. Really? I mean, the deal the green do four delay pedal that you can have like up to three different presets and a tap tempo. That that pedal is all I used for years. And it was it was great cuz I ha- I have the uh, I really like the auto volume echo uh sound in there for like my ambient swell effect kind of stuff.
1: Oh, I really liked your Head Rush. I've downloaded your preset last week by the way, and I really nice. liked your uh your church stuff is yeah. pretty awesome. Yeah, that's, that's why, why I ground. used the DL4
0: because I played a you know worship band at church and had that ambient sound going. And um, whenever I upgraded to a new Line Six product, I kept Line Six on my board because I had to have that one sound, you know. Gotcha. Um, but they, but they the switches kept getting better and the algorithms kept getting better and you know so. Um, but out of all the gear I have, the Headrush is definitely what I use like 95% of the time. Like I have the gig board right here on my desk. I just got a cable going right into my audio interface, which is the pre sauna studio lives, uh, series three, you know, board mixing board. And, um, whenever I need to lay down a part, I just plug in, uh, you know, pull up a tone and then start recording so it's just super easy and fast and intuitive no i agree
1: i I think for me like why you know why do i head rush i'm gonna tell you is
0: (laughs) yes we want to (laughs) know
1: well because i realized how much time i wasted and i do i don't i'm gonna say i regret building pedals and building guitars and literally hundreds of hours of research how to do this stuff but i can't play good and i got the head rush. And I literally turned it on and I pushed a button and it, my, it sounded good. and I'm like, and I know that's counterintuitive because you could just tweak it for hours. Yeah, but I don't totally. have to. I don't have to tweak it for hours. And I was like, wow, I'm just actually playing guitar now after all these years of just, like I said, I'm a I'm a tw- i am ai am like to build stuff, but yeah, now I can just practice guitar. So it's actually made my life simpler. Cause I'm not, oh, we gotta go find this new pedal and you know, like all Americans, I think we sit in front of our phones and we like research crap nonstop. Oh, Ooh, yeah. the new pedal's out and it's got this new new diode in it, and it's blue diode instead of a green diode, and it chain you know, and you just sit there and you obsess about all this junk. Right. And you buy all these pedals and all this stuff and you gotta switch it just it just doesn't end. And at the end of the day, everyone goes, Oh, I'm chasing after the Hendrix tone. Well, the dude had like three pedals and an amp. Well, yeah. I'm chasing after like Jimmy Page, he had a
0: guitar and like one pedal, I think, in an amp. Well, that's why you I'm I mean, going back to the JRC thing or the tube screamer thing is like JRC overdrive is like the JRC circuit that was in the original tube screamer. So, now I'm looking at the list right now. You got a white boost, which is basically your RC booster by Exotic Effects. Green JRC, which is your tube screamer. The DC distortion, which is basically, I mean, headrush is uh is you know came from 11 rack which was owned by avid yeah. pro tools you know so a lot of these effect names are straight from like a pro tools era type you know effects and, and names and stuff But like it doesn't matter like i don't care what you call it it still just sounds like a distortion pedal you know yeah uh, the black op is a proco rat trifuzz is your uh big muff pie Eight bit crush the Triangle I,
1: too, right? The original one, I think. Yeah, yeah. Long. The original it, it one. Did sound, yeah. It sounded because the Big Muff Pie I had, I had it before I saw my head rush, and it actually sounded pretty similar.
0: Right, right, exactly. The eight bit crush, still not quite sure. Yeah, what is that? It's I just it's I'm, just weird. Like, you know, eight bits is referring to like how many samples um you can have like in n- audio. And the lower that's the like sample. Nintendo. Yeah, exactly. Like so the lower the sample, like the less uh like quality is capturing so it's just supposed to sound like really it's, it's especially a fuzz but it's like a really weird fuzz from old um, school and then i'm not added e- the, i'm
1: not emo enough to get that one i guess i know
0: right yeah I me mean neither. and then the anxiety overdrive <laughs> is obviously the uh the ocd, OCD. panel from full tone so out of yeah. those like you know more than a handful of pedals, like I can get pretty much any sound I want. I don't need 20 more variations on the same kind of thing. You I know?
1: would like a fuzz face.
0: Yes, yeah, exactly. I mean there there are a few essentials that it could be added, but for all these guys that are complaining about the lack of options is like the only limitation you have <laughs> is that of your imagination.
1: <laughs> well I mean if, if you don't like the if you need the more options you can still put more pedals into it if you want to get all weird and obsessed with it and right. never stop chasing tone. But I guess the, I think the best way to chase tone is practice playing your guitar. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean if you're a really good guitar player, you can probably plug it straight into a tube amp and yours are gonna sound pretty bad, you know, pretty awesome.
0: Yeah. So so as far as the headrush goes, what's your uh what's the amp that you like using the most out of
1: you know, I've been the using there. I've been using the uh, the Marshall, the uh, the '60s one. Which one is it? the uh, is The it? Plexis. Yeah. Just because I'm obsessed with that that era of music. And what's funny, I started going, which is really weird, because you have all these pedals. I started going just like amp and like cab,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and like you know, my 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 boost is me turning my volume up. So it's kind. Of, I'm playing it like a tube amp now. You know, I'm, right. I'm actually stripping it down, and that's when I started. I started hit. I think I hit you up, and I hit a couple people up before. I'm like, this is actually when I put in your your presets, not presets. When I followed your input and output, and I followed your EQ guide, right? It sounded so much better. I'm like, they should they should have the McFarland like EQ already set up in Factory there.
0: just Yeah.
1: It just because yeah. <laughs> I something clicked with my ear and i started noticing like i didn't like some of the sounds I'm like oh okay and then i followed your guide and i was like oh this is fantastic i'm starting to love it but yeah. i'm starting to miss that tube feel a little bit
0: oh sure well i was but i was you discussing... said the
1: speaker guitar speaker and i bought one right and now i'm waiting 30 days for my power amp to come in
0: now which one Amazon. which one did you end up ordering
1: well you're going to be really surprised so i of course, as now you may have started to realize, I do way too much research and I get obsessed. I start looking up the the forty four Magnum. Oh yeah. And people are like, look at the more the M O E R that he sent more. Uh huh. Yeah. It actually sounds better. Then these guys say, hey, that's just a Class D amp. It's just these amps. You can buy a circuit board for $9. It's literally the same thing.
0: <laughs>
1: then I go down the rabbit hole more. I mean, this is only a three-hour research. This isn't too bad.
0: Oh, sure. Hey, yeah.
1: these, power, these are actually in these amps, and they already have plug-ins, and they got a volume knob, and they're $30 off Amazon. So I bought a uh, one off Amazon, a Lemmy or a Lemmy or it search with an L. Okay. It's literally, it was used. It's a 20-watt. By two, just because I want to screw around with it, because I already have an FR one twelve. Right. <laughs> it's going to be here in a few days, you know, like fifteen days. It's a Class D twenty watt by two power amp. that I'm going to bridge
0: to forty watts, and I paid like thirty bucks for it. That's cool. So you know, and you're going to use that with your uh, your regular speaker cab, right? Yeah, I
1: bought it. Yeah, I bought a. Uh, I built the speaker cab, which, like I said, it does not really save you too much money. Like building this stuff I just right. like doing it you just I like mean, doing it, it yeah yeah but you know it's it's a it's probably the only c- silver speaker cab with a gold grill that there is um it's pretty cool looking it's silver like uh le- you know that leatherite, you know and I put in a a, a celestian what is it c- vintage vintage celestian that's like the eighties speaker I kind of like that tight that tight uh that that tight speaker versus a greenback yeah I'm
0: I'm still, I'm going to say I'm on the fence, but there are times when I'm, because I, you know, I have my gig board right here on my computer desk with the studio monitors. And when I listen back, I'm like, man, that sounds really good, you know? Especially when I record it and I and I put it in the mix. It's like, you can't tell me it's not a real amp, you know? It sounds really good. I agree. But then when I, you know, when I either run through, like, the effects return of an amplifier going to my uh, 2x12 cab over here. It's so an avatar cab with a vintage 30 and a greenback. You know, having that set up, I'm like, mm, I do kind of hear a difference. You know, it sounds really good. You know, you, I guess you're getting closer to the amp in the room sound because you are using a physical, like, analog power amp going through an actual speaker that has the natural, you know, frequency roll offs that a speaker has, unlike, you know, FRFR, which is really just spitting out exactly what you put in, you know? So, Um, but
1: are we, I mean, is it the fact, are we just older and like, you know, my kid's never going to actually read a book, you know, he's, (laughs) he uses an iPad. Right. So if I, you know, and I hear people our age and older, like, oh, I only read books. That's how it's done. Right, You know, or is that the same thing just cause <laughs> is it, is the, is the tube amp, the books of, uh, <laughs> is it like a book versus an iPad? I mean, I guess,
0: I mean, cause I mean, I love, don't get me wrong. I love the one Oh eight speaker or even the one or the one twelve speaker like you have. I mean, the headrest speaker is great. If you use any other FR, FR speaker, I mean, any of them are going to get the job done, but Still, there's something about playing through an amp and a cab, but having the head rush as your front end, you know, having it as the preamp, but having your actual head as like the, uh, the power amp section, running through a physical speaker. Like there's still something about that setup that just, it, 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 it yeah, it does it for me. I think <laughs>
1: what I, I think what I'm probably going to do within a year's time, I'm going to build a tube power amp. And go That'd head rush cool. into tube out power amp into speaker. Yeah. And then could you tell a difference in room? What do you think? Yeah. Do you think it, it, you could tell a difference in room?
0: Like you know, like standing in the room and listening to either FR, FR or it, a tube power amp no, with the
1: no two power amp with the head rush as your preamp going into a actual guitar speaker, pretending you're a Marshall plexi oh yeah if i I was in the versus an actual if
0: you blindfolded me and said all right i'm gonna turn on my jcm 800 and play you some licks it basically comes down to you know what kind of band are you in how much stuff do you have to lug around and can you make it viable to where you can get things in and out on stage and and logistically make it work, you know. Do you want to carry on a four by twelve cab and and a power amp? Great. If not, then just get a headrush FRFR, which is way lighter and smaller, and just go that route. Or, you know, if you're like, you know, I would say you're in this camp it's like if you're just a average musician that just wants to play at home,
1: which is probably most of mu- music yeah, sales. I want to. You would can assume. have
0: whatever setup you want. If you want a full stack with a Marshall head. Go for it, you know, because you're not, you're not going to be carrying that around to gigs.
1: What about this, too? Like, you told me, I think you would sent me a message once. You've had 30 amps.
0: Yes, uh, I've had 30 different amps. Uh, I think three of those were probably solid-state amps because I have a lot of quilter. I've had some quilter amps in the yeah. past. So um, how much my, money have you wasted? Oh, so much! I probably could have retired early from all the money I've spent. So,
1: <laughs> what's what's even put it this way too? And this is one reason why I have head rush I'm going to keep it at least for another year, regardless of what happens, is because when you're somebody like me, you know, I, how often you get to play a plexi or this amp or that amp? I think you could really try out your sound if you really wanted. Let's say you're a tube lover. You like know, I love tubes. That's the only way to go. You can buy a head rush for used four hundred bucks right now, probably with the coronavirus, probably one for three hundred bucks right You could buy that. You could try out all these amps and play all this stuff and be like kind of maybe see what you really like if you really are that you really want that tube feel, you could do that and you could sell it and you could buy like that tube amp and that speaker and you kind of figure out what you want yeah you and know, I've, it, I've
0: heard that argument from a friend of mine. Um, his daughter was big in the playing with other people and, you know, and just, and just getting over that hump of like learning what different effects sound like yeah. and what they can do for you. I was like, yeah, just get a digital modeler. And cause he got one of those M series, like the M 13 from line six, cause it did have all the different line six effects in there. And he was like, all right, here daughter, just use, you know, play with this and figure out what you like. And then you can go buy the physical pedal after that you know instead of wasting all this money buying hundreds of pedals and then realizing you don't like any of them you know
1: i mean they're so they're so close i think with that sound like a real lamp i just think it's i don't know i think i think it might be an update away honestly i mean would right would you agree
0: yeah yeah definitely
1: i mean i think it's within five percent now personally after especially after i did your tweaks <laughs> Yeah, so or even, even Rhett Shoal a
0: few weeks ago on his channel, he talked about how to take your Kemper or your helix and kind of do a few tweaks here and there to make it more in line with like what a tube amp would sound like. And I that I, I mean it's it's like you said, it's it's like five percent difference. I mean you're so much you're so much farther down the road than even you were like ten years ago or even five years ago with this modeling stuff. It just sounds that good, you know. Yeah, man. I agree. I, man, I I really appreciate your time and uh, had a
1: good chat today, man. And, you know, I'm sure you'll you'll speak with much more uh, uh, musicians that are have a little more authority than I do. But, you know, I, probably most of the sales are to people like me. <laughs> so at least they're going to pr- get a perspective from somebody who's not a professional or who's like not like a professional, you know, an amazing musician. I think, you know, perspective from like a the lay person. Is what you get from me.
0: (laughs) Yeah, what I like about your story is like, yeah, you're a chef, but you also like tinkering with stuff. And there's a lot of people out there that just like to tinker and build their own stuff, and you know, do the research, put in the time, and just have fun. Just have fun with it. So,
1: end of the day, you know what? Music has made me have fun. It's it's it. Especially right now with what, you know, the virus we're dealing with right now, a lot of people are reaching towards music. I think Fender even put out, they're doing their free, I think I heard that today, they're doing like their their free lessons now. So Yeah,
0: like Fender Play or something.
1: Yeah, so I mean, I have fun with it and it it brings a smile to me, me, you know, so it brings a smile to a lot of people. So, you know, keep doing what you're doing too, man. Like you've you've helped me out a lot, you know, so I really, really appreciate it and uh, keep on rocking, man. Oh
0: yeah. Well, I feel like uh, I have the heart of a teacher and doing this YouTube thing is my way of having thousands of students in, in different in different forms and facets and whatnot. So it's, it's fun for me as well. I like doing it. Well, that was a very fun conversation with Wesley True. And just comes to show that even though you talk with different people of all walks of life, And, you know, obviously he's a chef, but he also likes tinkering with pedals, guitars, amps, all kinds of different stuff. So I love being a part of a community that we can all just kind of join in together and learn from each other. And that's really what this podcast is all about. Just creating that community of confident musicians. So thanks guys for listening. Feel free to subscribe down below if you haven't done so already. And if you like the content that you see and hear on my channel, be sure to give it a thumbs up and click that bell icon so you'll be notified every time I release new content. Stay tuned for next week when I release another podcast. And in the meantime, I am Dr. McFarland. I will see you in the next video. Keep rocking.